Do you or somebody you know hoard? You aren't alone. Hoarding affects millions of people throughout the world. You can do something about it and regain personal control. Welcome to Take Back Your Life When Your Things Are Taking Over with host Elaine Birchall. Reduce and relieve yourself from the shame and blame clutter causes in your life. You can do it and we'll show you how. Now here's your host, Elaine Birchall. Hello everyone, I'm Elaine Birchall, your host, and hopefully soon to be your own personal clutter coach, here to help you take back your life when your things are taking over. I am absolutely delighted to have this opportunity to be with you every Wednesday from 10 until 11 Pacific Time, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Voice America's Variety Channel. Beginning next week... I'm going to bring experts and free resources while we talk about what hoarding feels like from the inside. Very different from viewing it and seeing it from the outside, I assure you. Jane, a very brave lady, is going to join us to share what it's like to be really stuck and what has worked to help her succeed. She's also agreed, very kindly, very bravely, to be available for you to talk to during our show. So you can get what you need, not just from me, but also straight from the source of someone who's walking the very same path you are. Let us both lead you. In upcoming weeks, we're going to talk about many other important hoarding-related subjects. Here are just a few. What is hoarding? Not every environment with piles is hoarding. How common is hoarding? How unusual is hoarding? And what are the characteristics that can make you more vulnerable to it? What are the different types of hoarding? Yes, all hoarding is not the same. What are the three paths to hoarding? And are you on one of them? What are the common saving patterns? What tools do you need to effectively work and do the work you need to do to undo your hoarding environment? We're going to talk about hoarding in seniors, the risks, and there are plenty of them, believe me, and how to identify them. More importantly, how to avoid them. The fact is that often when I'm asked to begin working with seniors in their homes, Those homes represent a fire hazard, a very real risk of falling and tripping. There are deteriorating medical problems and medication is quite often not being taken as prescribed or as needed. Sometimes the stove and the fridge are faulty. Occasionally there's no potable water, no proper drinking water, and the sinks and bathtubs have started to be used for storage. Sometimes the person has no operational toilet. Finances and the fear of being removed from independent living are usually major concerns for the senior. We're going to talk about hoarding and children. What are the effects on children living in a hoarded environment? Does it impact their ability to meet developmental milestones? As a loving parent who might also be stuck, 
what reasonably can you do to help them be the happiest people possible? We're also going to discuss the forgotten children, the now adult children who grew up in hoarding situations. What is their legacy? If you are an adult who grew up in a hoarded environment, I hope you call in and give adult children a voice and help all our listeners understand what that legacy has been for you. We're going to talk about animal hoarding. It's complicated. Did you know that there are five different mental health categories for animal hoarding alone? Expert guests are going to help us all understand it. Then there's procrastination. You know procrastination. Actually, procrastination has been given a bad name. Most people don't know that procrastination is often actually a choice. Occasionally, eh, actually more often, an unconscious one. But it allows us to avoid something that is even scarier to us than all the undone tasks and piles, not to mention the title we carry, procrastinator. It's really important that we discuss hoarding crises. And let's tell ourselves the truth. Like fire, flood, infestations and contamination. What is it like to be in a fire? Are we actually overestimating our ability to get out if entrances and exit routes are to any extent blocked? Could emergency response services get to you? You and I are going to talk about how to start now opening up those pathways. And the very best expert I know is going to help us better identify the risks, the early risks, and how to avoid them. It's also especially important that if it's already occurred, then what do we need to do to handle it ourselves? And when shouldn't we try to handle it ourselves? Another important aspect of hoarding is dealing with your landlord or your mortgage company or your insurance company. What might your liability actually be? Did you know that the highest risk factor for hoarding is eviction or the threat of eviction? Did you also know that the highest risk factor for homelessness is eviction and the threat of eviction? Do you know how all the aspects of our physical and mental health plummet if we become homeless? And once homeless, how difficult it is to regain and maintain housing? Finally, just before Christmas, we're going to talk about hoarding and the holidays. Are those Christmas presents you bought accessible? Some of my clients tell me that the presents get lost in the piles and that they've actually had to go back out and buy more, often on credit. It's September. There's still time to solve both of those situations. Let my expert guests and I help. 
And don't miss joining in with us every week, starting next week, when during every program, we're going to go live on Facebook. So you can join me by calling that toll-free number. It's free worldwide. Use it, please. Don't just sit and listen. Call in. You can contact me. My trusty assistant, Donna, is going to be keeping an eye out for emails to Elaine, E-L-A-I-N-E dot B-I-R-C-H-A-L-L at H-O-A-R-D-I-N-G dot C-A. You've got three great ways to reach us. I hope you take advantage of our time together to call in and start next week asking your questions or tell us your story or share your concerns either about yourself or someone you care about. You know, overwhelmed is the single word that I have heard the most on a daily basis for the past 14 plus years. And if overwhelmed is happening to you, it's happening for good reasons. Overwhelmed will only get worse, though, if you try to ignore it. And it will continue to keep you stuck. I'm here to reassure you that overwhelmed is also mendable. I want you to know that despite what you may have been told, or worse yet, what you tell yourself, there's actually very little likelihood that if you are overwhelmed and stuck, it's because you're just plain lazy, unmotivated, or messy. Despite the fact that I often hear other people describe themselves in these terms, I've never found it in all these years to be true. So let's agree, starting now, No more putting yourself down. No more using nasty names to describe what you do or don't do. And that goes for the way other people get to talk to you too. When I hear other people using judgmental labels about someone who's stuck, over these many years I've come to understand that it is often out of frustration and a feeling of powerlessness, helplessness to help that stuck person that they care about get back on track. But calling other people names like lazy, unmotivated, messy, and worse is just plain uninformed and it's not very helpful. Another truth is it never helped anyone. So starting now, our mantra is going to be, if you can't make it better, don't make it worse. As a social worker, I've specialized in working with many people who hoard and many others associated with them in their life. I absolutely love what I do, and I think I'm the luckiest little social worker going. And I know I'm very privileged to have the chance, this chance, to offer what I've learned to the people who come to me for counseling or consults. I love the fact that technology also makes it possible, super possible, to offer counseling and consults internationally. And I have a list of 10 countries that came to my website in the last few days. People sitting out there needing help. So whether you come from about 18 places in Canada, about 40 places in the U.S., 
Sydney, Australia, the Philippines, Indonesia, India, Nigeria, France, six places in France, Germany, Hong Kong, four places in the United Kingdom, Aberdeen, Scotland, yay the Scots, and six places in Brazil, I'm here for you. When I work with someone, I make a commitment to them to work at their pace and respect their choices. And when I counsel friends and family, I know that they have often offered support and help well-meaningly. The problem is that under the burden and stress of hoarding, the relationship most often has become at a minimum strained and sometimes completely burned out. So that that help and support that's being offered can't be accepted or well-received. The accumulation that overwhelms people appears to be made up of things, but what really overwhelms people are hurts, setbacks, mistrusts, and misunderstandings, and that adds to the burden enormously. The path, your path, is actually blocked by both tangible and intangible things that get in your way. My work involves a holistic approach. We're not just dealing with the stuff, with the possessions, with the piles. We also are going to deal with the underlying factors, like those hurts, setbacks, mistrusts, and misunderstandings. Not to mention unidentified physical and mental health burdens, or maybe just the plain lack of necessary practical resources that you need. I firmly believe that we only get one life that we can absolutely be sure of, and just as firmly, I believe, I know, it's a needless shame to spend it, waste it, being stuck. Being stuck makes us miss so much of the good that would have brought us joy and meaning. Just as important is that if we're stuck, we also miss the not-so-good moments. And those not-so-good moments can be very important, really important, because they often turn out to be life lesson challenges that would have provided us with the energy, the motivation, and the impetus to grow and make changes. Sure, sometimes we only make those changes because they're absolutely necessary, and it was the only way we had to escape the discomfort that we're experiencing in the state of being perpetually stuck. But you know, if we persist moving toward change in the direction that feels right for you as an individual, I promise you moments of clarity will come. And that clarity will clear away enough of the doubts. You know what those doubts are. You say it to yourself. I don't think I can do it. I can't even figure out how to start. And shame. I'll die if anyone discovers how I live. And when we start to deal with the doubts and the shame, we can begin to have hope again. Hope is always the beginning of belief. Belief creates energy and it opens up your mind to consider more options. And the more options you have, the more energy you have, because those are the two things that create the basis for results that you can really truly own. And the reason you can really truly own it 
is because it represents who you really truly are, not some list in a book. It also puts you in touch with what you really truly, you really truly believe in, not what somebody tells you you should really truly believe in. So next week, I'm also going to begin providing you with cost-free resources to make it easier to help you begin. But before we take our break, I want you to get a pen and a paper and just consider these things. I'm going to have it posted next week as a cost-free resource, but let's just go through a little. In your mind, I want you to ask yourself, can you use clear counter space to prepare food? In your environment as it is right now today, can you walk to the refrigerator without having to go around things, over things? Can you use the food in the refrigerator before the expiry date reach? So if you were to look in your fridge right now, would you say that the vast majority of the food has expired? It's kind of got pushed back to the back of the, of the, the shelves and it's become a science experiment? Can you walk clearly and safely to the stove? Can you maintain stove surfaces absolutely clear between cooking times with minimal effort? Do your faucets and work and is your water drinkable? Would you be comfortable having services in if maintenance was, was needed? Can you use the kitchen sink easily? Can you eat at a table intended for meals? Can you maintain clear access to move around inside the house? Or are you maneuvering through pathways? Can you maintain, this is really important, two clear ways to enter and exit your home easily and quickly in case of emergency. We're going to go to a short break now. And when we come back, I want to tell you more about my journey to getting to today, offering to be your clutter coach, and my personal and professional experience that I draw on to offer you support. See you after the break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If the financial markets interest you, if you want to potentially earn a higher return, if you're not satisfied with your investment returns, or if you're only making 1% on your investments sitting in the bank, do you see the stock market hitting record highs but feel you have no one to trust? Voice America's own Jordan Kimmel, the host of Magnet Investing for over seven years, is applying his strategies of magnet investing and is managing individual accounts. Jordan Kimmel has joined InvestView, the Red Bank, New Jersey investment education and asset management firm 
firm, and his team can help you. Contact Jordan and the team at InvestView at 732-380-7271 or by email at jkimmel at investview.com. If you would like a complimentary portfolio review or to speak to a representative, call us. Past performance of investments are not indicative of future results. Investing is inherently risky. All recommendations should be researched by the investor. Call InvestView at 732-380-7271. That's 732-380-7271. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you prefer, send an email to elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. Now back to this week's show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back from the break. Actually, call-ins are going to start next week, okay? And you'll be able to reach us through that toll-free number, free worldwide. It does not get better than that. Through Facebook, we're going to go live on Facebook, and through my email, E-L-A-I-N-E dot B as in boy, I-R-C-H-A-L-L at hoarding dot C-A. I want to talk a little more about those paths. Sometimes, you know, clearer paths are created by events that we actually believe we experience as losses, failures, or mistakes. Certainly was in my case. The test of time, though, will prove, I'm sure, that these events were actually path corrections that became opportunities that we never could have imagined being possible in our lives. The problem is that these moments will continue to pass us by if we don't make ourselves both aware and available enough to take a step further down that path, even if it's only baby steps. If you're still with me and you're still listening, I believe you're listening in at just such a moment of awareness. I invite you to seize the moment now. It will never get easier. If you are to any extent stuck, especially if it's by hoarding, I'm going to ask you to invest in yourself enough to remain available for one hour per week, a minimum of one hour per week, on Wednesdays from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 to 11 Pacific Time, to listen and reflect on how the experts and I help you with information. And we're going to offer it to you so that you can help yourself take back your life 
no matter what taking back your life means for you, no matter what is involved, especially if it's hoarding. Because the experience and wisdom and the learning of others who have struggled exactly like you're struggling right now can support you, will support you. My purpose in hosting this show, and I had to think about it before, as I was offered it, and I realized that it was to offer you just such a moment, an opportunity to figure out who you are today, not who you used to be, not who you wish you were, but who you want to be today moving forward, and what you as an individual really need and what you as an individual really love. The next step I'm going to help you with is to take and develop a healthier relationship with your things and help them hold a healthy balance in your life so they don't weigh you down. They're part of your life, but don't don't confuse the fact you are not part of theirs. They will never miss you if something happens to you, even though you might miss them if something happened to them. And they will never love you back. You love them, but they will never love you back. They can't. They will never give you self-esteem and genuine meaning in your life. You deserve self-esteem and genuine genuine meaning. You're worthy of it no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel that you failed, no matter what mistakes you think you've made. You deserve, you are worthy of self-esteem and genuine meaning. And you need both of those to do the work to persevere through to your own personal goal. Next week, I'm going to coach you on how to make goals that give you something back and avoid goals that are just another to-do list. So while we work together, remember, be gentle with yourself. No one ever overcame anything difficult by feeling less about themselves. Whether you hoard or don't, we have all you me and everybody in this 2.5 million person listening audience, we have all made mistakes and we've all had periods when success has eluded us. We are all flawed, imperfect human beings, just the way we're supposed to be. And we're all more than the problems, limitations, or labels we have. Now I'd like to tell you a little more about some of those apparent setbacks in my life that actually corrected my path and brought me to today capable, available to do wonderfully rewarding work that I do with you and my other clients. And I can assure you, it certainly did not feel like it was anything but a complete act of faith that my path corrections were positive at the time. But I now realize just how lucky I was that those events actually happened. Even though I don't hoard, we're all on a journey. 
I could make my point about journeys and I could tell you a story about one of my amazingly brave, lovely, yet distressed clients. You can read that in the book that Sue and I are writing. Working title is Clearing the Path. And I could have you learn from their courage and their perseverance, but I want you to know a little bit more about me, the coach, the guide that's offering you this information on hoarding and strategies that have helped and healed others. If you're going to give me your time and trust, I think I should earn it. And I think it's only fair to share moments of walking the talk from my own life. Even though I'm a social worker who counsels others and I don't hoard, I want you to know I've also shared many, actually most, of the feelings you feel. And like you, I've had to journey through them. Struggle. Sometimes I had support. And sometimes with the gifts, you know those gifts. The ones I mean are the ones that feel anything else but like a gift at the time. And they seem to block our way. Life sends all of us pain and challenges, and it tests us. The pain and challenges also, however, can give us the opportunity to plumb our depths. And they help us figure out who we are today, not who we used to be, not who we wish we were. And at this point in our lives, what is most important to us? Perhaps these difficult life events can also help us to develop and strengthen parts of ourselves that we never knew we had. I'd read all the books about, you know, life is what you make it and all the little quick fixes, but I guess I just wasn't ready to really understand them. I certainly found that reading is very different from living it. Overwhelmed can leave you empty immobilized, and disoriented, even if you are a social worker. And I was at that point where I had just experienced a really important loss in my life. I was running on empty, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I believe that each of us has sent at least one person, someone who gets us, who when we see ourselves reflected in their eyes, we experience and we know we're being validated for who we really are as worthwhile people. One of my someones was my father, then deceased. And during this time, this difficult time, and it went on for a while, every day I got up, I got ready for work, and in the bathroom mirror, I looked myself square in the eye and I repeated to myself, you are Ken Birchall's daughter and you can do this. Ever so slightly more reinforced, I'd head off to my predictably miserable day with my gut clenched, my shoulders hunched for what the day would bring. It was on a particularly low day while I was driving into work that I found myself saying to myself, yes, I do talk to myself. Sometimes that's the only way I can get consensus. Whoever is up there on my side, please send me something. Send me anything to offset this miserable day ahead. 
seconds later, and I acknowledge that this is a very simple thing, but as simple as it is, it was a life changer for me. I looked up and I witnessed the most glorious sunrise I think I've ever seen. I know I've, ne- I've ever seen. And although this very little thing is there every single day, I'd never left myself open to noticing it before. That beautiful sunrise I realized I experienced immediately left me feeling just a little more elevated and happy and a little bit more released from the stress that had been bearing down on me. True, those feelings only lasted for a short time that day. And that day was everything it usually was. But I felt the loss just a little bit less. The gift of those few moments of feeling buoyed up gave me just a little bit more strength to deal with that day's challenges. I'd made that long drive in to work every day for a long time, and you know, I had never noticed the sunrise. I guess I hadn't needed it. I also, though, hadn't made myself available to notice it. The point I'm trying to make has nothing to do with sunrises. The point is that the change was me, not what was available to help me. The next morning, I got up again, back in front of the mirror, and I repeat to myself, I'm Ken Birchall's daughter, and I can do this. Head out to work, and I ask myself, hmm, as I'm opening the door, it occurs to me, self, I said, I wonder if the gloriousness of yesterday's sunrise was just a one-off event. I get in the car, I drive up the road, I get to the rise in the hill. There it is again. This sunrise was completely different, but just as magnificent all the same. And it was like having a private viewing of a work of art that was only going to be on display for that one day. Sunrise Day 2 was just as much, I realized, of a positive gift. In fact, it was a little more of a positive gift. It buoyed me up just as much, and it left me with now a little jolt of joy, just a tiny little bubble of joy, that something extra was available that day to fortify myself. Look, I promise I am not going to take you through every sunrise since then, but please let me tell you about day three. Day three, the alarm clock went off. I woke up the same infusion of dread for the altogether now predictably miserable day that faced me. My gut was tightened, but this time, on my second thought, I noticed something different. There was that little bubble of excitement with my second thought. My second thought was, huh, I wonder what the sky will be like today. I found myself looking forward to something just a little tiny bit positive and happy. By the time my feet touched the floor, I also realized that horrible gut-wrenching dread that I'd been experiencing for quite a while now 
was just a little bit less. In fact, it was a great deal less because I now realized I had just the inkling of hope and belief that despite the things I couldn't change right away, there would be gifts available to me throughout my day, but I had to choose to notice them on my path. The gifts had always been there for the taking, and they're not just sunrises. There are plenty of them if you stop and you notice. And I'm not going to pretend that things were immediately or magically all rosy. It really was a matter. A matter of choosing what to focus on. Fact is, both the positives and the negatives are there at the same time. The positives that can sustain us, the negatives that will weigh us down. My hope is that right now, you choose to take back your spaces and your life moving forward, and that you choose to do it by beginning to accept the simple little things that can sustain you on your path. Remember, be gentle with yourself. No one ever overcame anything difficult by feeling less about themselves. We are all flawed and perfect human beings, and we are all more than the problems or limitations we have. You are not the first, and you are not alone. Others have cleared their path, and so can you. We're going to go to our next break now, and when we return, I want to tell you about how something that might happen in the next moment of your life can be that pivotal event that becomes your guiding beacon, that beacon that keeps you on your unique life's path. I'll see you after the break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. 
The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. This is Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you prefer, send an email to elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. Just before the break, I mentioned that in an instant, a life-changing, pivotal moment can happen, which helps us make sense or deal with how we manage our life, especially our challenges and big decisions. The pivotal moment that became the beacon I've tracked throughout my life happened when I was somewhere between four and six. In a time when it was okay for children to answer the front door, a man came to ours and he asked if, um, he asked if my parents were available. So I went to get my dad and dad came to the door and he began speaking to him through the open screen door nosy little kid that I was. Of course, I listened from around the corner. Dad went outside with the man, I think, to protect his privacy. And he began speaking with him out there, and they continued their discussion in the laneway. Now, I couldn't hear them from there, but I watched through the side window, you know, with the, with the uh, curtain pulled a little, and I interpreted their conversation through their body language. I saw my dad raise his shoulders, cock his head a little to the right, and splay his hands out to the side. Then I saw him reach into his pants pocket and take out his wallet, give the man some bills. He ended up by shaking the man's hand, and the man nodded his head, and they each went their way, dad coming back inside, me scurrying down the hall, not to be found out to be eavesdropping, and the man carried on down the street. Of course I wanted to know what this was all about, so I asked my dad, and I am absolutely appalled, people, at the word I used, but that was a four-year-old, six-year-old head. Dad? Was that a beggar man? And my dad looked at me and sharply corrected me by saying, no, honey, he's just a man. He's not a beggar man. Don't use that word. He's just a man with a family who's down on his luck looking for work. As if that was ever going to be enough for a nosy little kid. So I asked him, well, well, dad, did you give him work? And my dad replied, no, honey, I have five children. I do my own work. Hmm. So, Dad, why'd you give him money if you didn't give him any work? And he said, because I didn't have any work to give him, and he needed money. 
next two or three days, I was churning that over in my head, trying to make sense of it. It just didn't seem to add up. You know, there was money. It should be work. He couldn't give him work. What was the deal here? Two or three days later, we're all in the car, driving along, and my little brain is still churning this over, trying to understand and make sense of it, trying to make all the pieces fit. And I remember looking at the back of my dad's head from the back seat while he drove the car, and I asked, Dad, you know that man who wasn't a beggar man? The other day who came to the door, and my dad sighed and said, yes. And I said, well, how do you know he needed money, really? And that he wasn't just trying to cheat you out of your money. And my dad's answer became the foundation for how I would process my life from then on. And I didn't even realize it. He said, Elaine, I would rather give what I can afford to spare to every person who doesn't need it than miss the one who did. A core belief and lifetime guiding principle was formed that day, and I didn't realize it. It is to help whoever comes my way, needing help in whatever way I reasonably can and give it. And perhaps that person will do the same for the next person who comes their way, who needs something they can help with and they will give it, and so on, and so on, and so on. My sole purpose in hosting this show is to offer you just such a moment, that opportunity to reclaim yourself, figure out who you are today, not who you used to be or who someone else wants you to be, but who you want to be moving forward and figure out what you really need. Not all the stuff. If the stuff was enough, you wouldn't need so much of it. And figure out what you really love. My son, the policy analyst, once said to me, this was on, on with respect to uh, being a businesswoman, Mom, you're not just a social worker by training. You're also a social worker by nature, and you're going to have to keep an eye on that if you're going to be a businesswoman. I now realize that the die was cast at age somewhere between four and six, and that I had been permanently and indelibly influenced by an amazing man who was filled with humor, filled with integrity and compassion, who I was lucky enough to have as my father. Let me tell you a little about the fellow journeyers I've met along my way. As a social worker, my experiences span many different types of situations. Okay, I began working with people stuck in poverty, the elderly, single moms, parents with disabled children, immigrants, 16 and 17-year-olds asking for emancipation, leaving home, escaping home, living on the street, people who were unemployed, and others who were underemployed. And for however I helped them get out of poverty, they taught me so much more about the courage to risk and take a chance, even though there's absolutely no 
guarantee that it's going to lead to anything. Courage about perseverance, humility, and hard work. And I have some amazing real-life stories, and I still hear from some of them. And they want to share with me, and they want me to witness how with the little, little bit of help I was able to give them, they use that as an impetus to keep moving forward. It feels really good when they take the time to let me know, because we all need to know that what we we do matters. And it's so infrequent that we actually get a chance to witness the future positive results of our efforts. I've also heard from some of the teens who have tracked me down to tell me that now they have good personal relationships. They have jobs that will support them. They're either married or planning a future with someone they love and who loves them and respects them back. A few have even thanked me and told me that at the time they were on the run, I was the only one who believed them about what was happening in their lives that led them to become homeless, live in a shelter, or worse yet, many on the street. You know, sometimes I remember them and their situation really well, even years later. But when I don't, this reminds me how important it is to really care and be present. Do your absolute best every time you're working with someone because you may, through the work you do, give them a small piece of the foundation that helps them make a real difference in their life. I did my master's placement at a large urban police department victim crisis center. And as a trainee victim crisis counselor, my first case was a suspected murder. I really had to jump in at the deep end. I also counsel people living with domestic violence, rape, memories of past childhood sexual abuse, home invasions, bank robberies, suicide attempts, child abandonment, and death notifications. I'm very, very proud that over my one year, working a half day during the week and 12 hours alone on a Saturday, on every Saturday, with my director only a phone call away and the staff sergeant always, always available to help and advise, I was the only student up to that date anyway that had ever been awarded a police commendation. And I was awarded two police commendations for two particularly challenging, very different types of situations. Then I became the one lone social worker at a district public health department. There I became part of an amazing team that was led by a wonderfully intelligent, forward-thinking, super-organized, super-dedicated manager named Marianne O'Hagan. What a gift she was. My first task was to continue the search that they'd already started about a new kind of referral we were getting that we didn't understand. And they asked me, again, jump in at the deep end, and develop a training about this new situation. Now, we thought maybe 12, 20 community partners might be interested. But when the word got out, I came up with a training day facilitator and a plan, and I ended up very quickly 
having high-level government staff, directors, senior politicians of programs for the homeless, the elderly, fire services, as well as 210 other grassroots, very, very broad-based community staff from organizations all over, all over the country. When this started to happen, I went to Marianne and I said to her, I don't think we've got the scope of this right at all. In fact, I think we may have a tiger by the tail. That's when I, I started to learn a very important lesson, that budgets are budgets. And I, first, I got my first mentoring on how to improvise to get your needs met. That has come in very handy in hoarding work, believe me. Marianne helped me create a little nook in an unused part of the hall that became command central for this mushrooming little workshop. By the time the calls from all over the country started arriving for registration, I'd rented a room, one that fit my budget. Problem was it had a maximum capacity of 200 people by fire code regulation. More unfortunately, as it turned out, the whole staff of the local fire prevention division and representatives from the head office of the fire marshal's office wanted to attend. Mm. Problem was, this meant that the enforcers of that 200-person limit were going to be sitting in the front row. The day of the training, where I arrived, I looked around and the place looked very crowded. And people were still milling at the back, trying to join in, getting chairs, trying to scrunch into spaces. And I thought, I better do a head count before they shut us down. There were actually 220 in attendance. I also noticed that many of them were avoiding eye contact. What I learned from that experience is that hoarding is much more common than thought to be. I learned that it's also universally confounding, not just for the people living it, but also the people trying to help the person to deal with it. And I also learned that 20 self-respecting peers of mine were prepared to sneak into a workshop, not pay, just to get the information that they so badly needed. In the upcoming weeks, you're going to meet people just like yourself who've cleared their path. And I trust that you will come to realize, so can you. I'm here for you. And with the right support and perseverance, we can all do things we never dreamed were possible. Just like the people whose lives and struggles are going to be offered in the upcoming programming for you to listen to, learn. You're not the first. You're not alone. Starting next week, we are going to begin, I want to remind you, the call-in portion of the show. So get your questions ready, or maybe you've got a story to share. Let's talk. No matter whether you're listening from anywhere in the world, all right, I'm here to help. While we have a few minutes before the show ends, I want to finish those questions for you to consider. Do you have a toilet that actually flushes or do you have to go and get water from a sink somewhere to pour into it? And would you be comfortable having a repair person come in to fix it? Is your bath or shower clear and available for your use? 
can you maintain a clear, accessible route to answer the door quickly? Do you have more than a sofa or a chair available for yourself and others? When and should they visit? Can you maintain your bed surface completely clear and available for sleeping, not with piles on one half of it that can topple on you and injure you? Can you maintain bedroom floor spaces clear enough that if there was an emergency, you could get out without tripping? Can you keep clothing stored so that it doesn't present a tripping hazard and remains wearable? Can you keep hallways clear and accessible and staircases? Do you have any bare light bulbs that are in use that could topple over and smolder, creating a combustible flare-up? Is the functional use of rooms possible without using extension cords? Because mice love to chew. And the more you have piles, the more you have are likely to have visitors. And I'm Okay. Are your taxes kept current? Do you know that in 14 years, I have never had a client who had filed their taxes in less than four years overdue? Let's meet back here, same time, same channel, next Wednesday. Thanks for listening in, folks. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please join Elaine Birchall for another edition of Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you declutter your home and your life again next week. 